Cold Stove Podcast, April 1st, NRD. Happy April Fool's Day to all those who celebrate. How are you doing? It's a good day. I'm doing well. Uh, hanging in there. Some NRD bets. Some good hockey to talk about. Some golf that I'm on right now as well. But uh, post-trade deadline, it's going to be a fun time for the show. I think it's uh, interesting, right? Right? No trades. What are we going to talk about? Well, we have a lot to talk about. We have a guest coming up next week, too. So Yeah, very very excited about the guests. It's the proverbial, uh, the slowdown. They talk about how all the insiders go to their cottages for a week or two and get ahead of the, uh, before doing it in the summer. You know, Bobby Marge is out there celebrating with a margarita or two. I, I found out that NRD is a blood orange margarita fan. I didn't know that about you. You know, I dabble in the different flavors. I'm, I'm a straight margarita guy. Let me let me set this straight. And I know it is the insider's drink of choice. Shouts to Bobby Margs. No no slight against anybody else that likes a Cosmopolitan. I heard uh, Elliot gets down with one of those every once in a while. But, well, maybe some, some pink lemonade flavored vodka. I don't yeah, know. there's another podcast. Great pink lemonade flavored vodka is right. <laughs> but, you know, try different flavors. I'm not a big fan in the fruity stuff, but you throw a little blood orange margarita together. You do the rim with the little chili lime salt as opposed to just the regular salt. Ooh, you yourself you a go. good time. So it's a little tahine, if you will. There you go. Tahine rim. I'm a uh, skinny marg on the rocks, no salt guy myself. That is my my wheelhouse. You can do seven of those and, and be uh, be pretty buzzed, but having a good time. NRD, post-trade deadline. Well, our shows will be more fun like this because we, you know, we have scoops. We have like there's a lot of stuff going on. We'll get to that, but it's going to be a little bit looser until the till the postseason, till the off season, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll have some stuff. I know we talked about it last mm-hmm. week on our post deadline recap show that I already, you know, had heard some things about Mark Shifley out in Winnipeg, and there's some things that we're going to track and trace throughout the off season. I know you got some sta- saber scoops coming as well, but. You know, it's a fun time, right? We get to do things a little differently than we did previously. Talk talk a little bit more about, you know, hockey and have some guests on, and we'll have a good time from now through the draft. There you go. Let's start with the scoop, the, not a scoop, I should say, but some stuff that went down uh, this morning. You were on this NRD, and that's Bobby Trevino out of UMass. What did you know about him and the Rangers as their season came to a close? Well, the kid grew up a New York Rangers fan. Um, from Long Island, and I know he has a sister that also plays in the U.S. Uh, hockey program. She played for the U.S. national women's team. It's a, a couple of world championships, and she's now in the PHF. So big hockey family. Um, probably not the best prospect out there at a college right now that's unsigned, but probably the most um, hype around him because everybody was curious where this kid would go. little undersized. I think he's like 152, five foot eight. plays the left wing, but he's the captain of UMass. He's uh, you watch anybody that watches college hockey knows the kid works his ass off, you know, and he has for all four years there um, with the Minutemen. So he signs with the Rangers. Not too much of a surprise there. It's a hometown team. Florida was close. I had heard that Florida was the other finalist. So did Molly Walker, great reporter from the uh, from the New York Post, also a UMass alum. So she's got those scoops as well. But he chooses the Rangers over the Panthers. Not really sure about what his future holds in New York. I mean, they're pretty deep on the left wing, considering they got Chris Kreider, Barkley Goodrow, you know, Alexei Lafreniere. They're they're pretty stacked on that side of the uh, side of the pivot. But you know, kid wants to go play for his hometown team. He'll start in Hartford, and maybe we'll have a shot at a camp next year. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say it's probably a Hartford move in the near term, um, unless he really lights it up there. You know, with college kids, there's always a 
an air of like, oh, this kid's going to be, you know, they're so good in school. Jimmy Vesey comes to mind for my, my, myself. And uh, what, 10, 10% of the time they're, they're player players, you know, and especially when they're free agents or, or whatnot, unless they're like the guys who have stayed for four years and basically have said, I want to be a free agent and get brought somewhere. Um, but yeah. uh, looking forward to good, the, a lot of fun stories there. Another guy that obviously I have kept my eye on is, is Devin Levi out of Northeastern. Their season unceremoniously ended against uh, Western Michigan. Really frustrating game, NRD. Devin Levi played. I mean, Northeastern was clearly the, the worst team in that game. There's no doubt about it. I watched the entire – I was like, ooh, they're getting boat raised. Uh, and if it wasn't for Levi, they'd be down 4-5-1, et cetera. But uh, first point, quickly, that Northeastern brings back Aiden McDonough. They, they basically bring back their whole team, the youngest team in the, in the NCAA. And now, where does Devin Levi fit into that equation? Now, indications are that the two sides are talking pretty aggressively. From what I know, Buffalo would like him. Now, that's about all I know, is that the decision is going to come probably like today or tomorrow. I know Elliot said as much. I've also heard the same thing. Uh, by the, by next week, we'll be talking about where Devin Levi is in the coming days next year. There's obviously a tricky situation with Eric Portillo, who's still playing with Michigan right now. They're, they're in the frozen four. Uh, and at this point I'd like him and Owen power to take home a natty because it doesn't really matter if they get bounced on Friday or Monday, right? It's who cares. The decision's going to be in the, in the very, very near term might maybe even like, as we do this podcast, um, I, I don't, it's 50, 50 right now. NRD I've earlier this week, I was pretty much convinced he was coming to play for Buffalo as the week has dragged on. I don't know if you saw one of the Northeastern's backup goalies this year, uh, entered the transfer portal. So that could mean that, you know, his buddy, Devin Levi has told him, Hey, I'm coming back. So I am literally 50, 50. I'm trying to chase this down. I know there's a dialogue. I know that the sides are, are talking. I know that, the Sabres want him, and that's about all I have right now. I am literally texting people as we speak trying to chase this one down. Do you have anything on Devin Levi? I don't have anything our great Sabres insider Brett Merriman doesn't have, right? Like, we got him a check mark <laughs> to be this guy, right? We're, we're grooming him to, to kind of be the Batman to the Robin with the NRD and the insider stuff. I don't have anything you don't have. I know we had a really good uh, – exchange the other day on text talking about what do the Sabres really do in net? Cause you do have Portillo. You do have Levi. You have Uka Pekka Lukanen. Did I pronounce that right? I'm sure I did. Or you, didn't. you absolutely nailed it. I nailed it. You have him who we had known that he might be a guy that you have a ton of young goalies in the system. And if there's a trade that comes along and he's the ask, you know, or at least part of that package, I don't think the Sabres say no to that. So you have that option. You have some young goaltenders that could be bought on the market this offseason. Who knows what the Blues really do with Billy Husso? Who knows what, you know, if Mackenzie Blackwood is in a buy-low situation, some team tries to get him out of New Jersey because I know they don't love him right now there. So Sabres have a ton of options in net. I think the right move is to bring them both in, and I think it's just, you know, high noon at the OK Corral. Like, standoff, who gets the job, play in Rochester. One of you two is going to win it. The other one's going to find themselves in a new home in a couple of years. Yeah, I think that's where, where my head is at right now. Uh, as of April 1st, 2022, it's 
bring back Craig Anderson. By all accounts, he is a, a big-time locker room guy. Um, UPL, give him his opportunity that he has worked for years for. Uh, cooking, if not overcooking, in the minors. You know, he's, he's not blowing people away numbers-wise, but he's certainly a talented goaltender. He's been hurt a lot, which I'm concerned about. And if that's not the idea in Buffalo next year is UPL Anderson, say Craig Anderson retires, et cetera, you know, do you go bring in a, a Braden Holtby? Do you go bring in a Jonathan Quick? Guys that are veteran goaltenders, you'd probably have to overpay them, no doubt about it, because it's Buffalo's not exactly win now, but um, or, or maybe a John Gibson. It's guys like that that can be traded for or signed that are older free agents or older goaltenders, veteran goaltenders. If it's not Anderson and UPL and then Levi and Portillo in Rochester, basically, like you mentioned, hey, you guys have a year, you know, head to head. You're each going to get 40 or 35 and see where we're at. You know, who who plays well? You'll both get stints in Buffalo. You'll both get whatever and just kind of make it a competition. I'm, I have no problem with that because it's a good problem to have. Because you trade one of them. Hopefully they both play well. Hopefully they both have 920 save percentages in Rochester. And then you say, okay, now we have a good problem to have. And then Um, one of them, you know, one of them gets you that right side defenseman for Owen Power. There you go. As does left-handed defenseman Ryan Johnson, who's playing next weekend as well. Uh, He'll he'll be with Minnesota and, and probably signing with the Sabres soon thereafter once they're bounced. Um, but he's been one of my one of the most improved prospects in the Sabres pool. Granted, he is a first round pick. It's not like he's you know some seventh round kid. Um, but his last two or three years has been been a, a huge huge jump in terms of NHL and even pro you know AHL readiness. Uh, the biggest problem being that the Sabres' left side of their defense core is is pretty set potentially for the next decade. Right? If you say Darlene Power Samuelson. And th- that's it. They're young, obviously, but they're they're set. Uh, and, and where does Ryan Johnson fit in that? And my my only hesitation there is, what if Ryan Johnson's better than Matias Samuelson? Now he's not as big, he's not as physical, he's not as stay at home defenseman. But you know, if he's a better defenseman, why you know you, you can't say, well, we're so set here, we can't have him up there. So uh, a couple good problems to have for the Sabers. And then while while we're on Buffalo, just real quick, NRD, I'm not blowing up here. I'm not, I promise. I promise. I promise. The fans, I, I want to make something very clear. I am not anti the team of the Buffalo Sabres. I'm not anti the coaching staff of the Buffalo Sabres. I'm not even anti Kevin Adams. I am very clearly anti Terry and Kim Pagula. Okay. I want to make that abundantly clear. I think the incompetence at the top is to blame for what the organization has gone through the last 10 years. Okay. Fans that are tweeting at me like, Oh, you're so, I'm so, you're, you're, you're so glad that the Sabres lost or so like, man, the Sabres won that game. You must be so pissed off. No, that's not the case. I love the good vibes. I love the good vibe tribe in the Buffalo locker room right now. Do I think they messed up the trade deadline? Yes. Go back and listen to cold stove from last week. I don't think, players in that locker I they, they should still be there there should still be assets there's just go listen I, I spell it all out there do I love the game against the Blackhawks where they're down for nothing NRD live bets them jinxes them by texting me about it 
And then, then they end up still winning in regulation. Shouts to NRD bets. That was a trip, man. I have to be honest with you. It was so. I texted Brett really quick. <laughs> I texted Brett at the end of the first period with two tickets, two bet slips. I put a little bit on the Sabers to win. They were like you know plus five hundred, plus four fifty money on that. And then I put that same amount on them to win in regulation. It was like plus a thousand. At the end of the first period, they started to come back. Then I jinxed them because I texted. I kept texting Brad. I'm like, you're, you know, Sabres hockey here. Here it comes. I told you. I'm like, there's a lot of game left. Don't don't celebrate these tickets just yet. The Blackhawks take the 5-4 lead. I tweet out that I jinx it. And then what do you know? Two goals in the final five minutes. The game winner with, what, 10.6 seconds left or something like that. The Sabres win. I win. America wins, really, because nobody really likes (laughs) the Chicago Blackhawks right now. So, America wins, and uh, I'm a little richer thanks to uh, thanks to your Buffalo Sabers, Brett. Something about the the broken stick goal off the backboards by Tage Thompson just feels like it feels like that felt like a broken like ten years as you know the the Ryan Miller knee to the face that broken stick like whatever dark cloud has been over this franchise and it's two people specifically. But that Tage Thompson broken stick just like represented some bigger, bigger momentum thing. And like I like I have said, please don't conflate me being disappointed with with the like the the moves made with the with a core there. There is very clearly a core. And while there's not a culture built, there is certainly a culture building. So I want to be extremely, extremely clear. I am very optimistic about this team. The players in that room are the right guys who, quote, want to be there. They do. I'm all for that. I love what they're building. I love the Alex Touch of the world and Dylan Cousins and and Mark Pizik and these guys that know what they're doing. And I'm glad Pizik's still there. I'm glad Hinostroza is still there. That's about where it ends, but I digress. I just want to say, Sabres fans, I am with you. I am optimistic. I don't agree on you with you guys on a lot of stuff, maybe a Jack Eichel situation, for example. But I am so excited for where this team is headed. And I do like seeing wins. The, you know, If you're not going to go 0-19, you might as well settle for the ninth overall draft pick and win like 13 of your last 19. Fine. You know what? Let's let's have a let, let's have a party and go and, and go to the new Bill Stadium that Erie County and New York State are paying more than half for, which is crazy. But now there are you mentioned the two people that you have a problem with in the organization. There they happen are, to be married, by the way. Yeah, they're 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 power couple. There is a subset of the fan base that are buying what they're selling. And yes, I'm just because saying, because it, it, there's, there's a certain there, group. It's a PR. It's a it's all PR. And there's a group of them, and we might have something special for you guys coming up soon. <laughs> Brett knows you, what I'm talking about. There's a certain group that follows blindly and, uh, quote, does their own research, maybe? I don't know. I, I, that's There might be a group of the uh, the Sabres fan base that, like you said, thinks that, you know, Maxima Finneganoff is coming back. <laughs> Maxima <laughs> Finneganoff Jr. is coming back. And we'll, well, hey, uh, I tell you what, if, if we get uh, – Matvey Mishkov, and he's Max Afinagana, even half of Max Afinagana. Like, then maybe I'll, I'll buy in. 
yeah, maybe <laughs> but right now, just keep your eyes peeled. We might have something special coming for you guys. Um, on that note, on the Sabres, I wanted to say, I, you know what? Sabres fans, I'm sorry for going a little hard on you the last couple of weeks. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be like Biz and double down and say that I saved the franchise, which maybe he did, because Grinelli does the opposite. Whenever he says the Sabres are a wagon, it's just cat- catastrophe. It's over. So, I, Sabres fans, I'm sorry for going too hard at you. You don't deserve that. I want to help. I want to help usher in this new era of Sabres hockey with you. I will go a little lighter, but I just want you. I want you to be with me. Be with me. Listen to what we're saying here. Listen. Just just dig a little deeper. On that note, tonight is Rick Generet night. And RD, do you have a favorite RJ call from the Buffalo Sabres uh, last? 20-something, 30-something years of your life? You know, everybody's going to say May Day mm-hmm. is the uh, the go-to, right? It's like any one of those NHL greatest moments VHSs from the mid-90s has that May Day call on it. Sure, yeah. I just – absolute legend of the game. When it comes to calling a hockey game, you think no other than RJ. From from the La 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 Fontaine stuff and the overtime and whatever he does, he's a legend and uh, – it's cool to see the organization honor him the way they have this season. Tonight's the culmination of that. It's really cool to see that there. I don't believe there's any tickets left available for tonight's game. NRD, and that's the, freaking awesome. The first sellout of the year. I cannot wait to see that building just absolutely buzzing. Because one, RJ deserves it. And two, this group of Sabres absolutely deserves it. They deserve a big night, a big crowd, a loud crowd, an emotional crowd. It's going to be... Tears all over the place tonight, for sure. And uh, were they playing tonight? By the way, I don't even know. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. Playing, they could be playing the Florida Panthers, and they're going to win by twelve. Like Buffalo Sabers money line tonight, NRD. They are playing the Nashville Predators. Okay, so I'll take Predators puck line, and their Nashville's Sabers are plus one sixty five on my book. That's actually better than I thought. So. But that that you know, you you mentioned that he's just a legend and he has his classics. For me, it's more of the consistent day to day calls. The glove save Miller, like that kind of stuff. Chris Drury, like the the stuff that I grew up with on a day to day basis, kind of does more for me than his all time calls because everybody knows the the maydays and and uh, in overtime stuff like that, but. It's just the glove save Miller. I remember playing street hockey, and whenever I played goalie, I would do the Miller kind of voice. And um, very happy for RJ, and and very excited to see him get, you know, what he deserves. And that's a place in the rafters, and you, uh, you know, HSBC Arena, if you will. Marine Midland, Key Bank. There you go. Gross, gross. Um, that's that's all okay. That's all all I'm gonna say on the Sabres. I want fans to, to ride with me. I'm with you. I'm optimistic. I'm not anti this team. I got my jersey, NRD. It looks great. I almost bought mine after that comeback against the Chicago <laughs> Blackhawks. I'll be honest with you. I texted you. I said I'm buying an Alex Tuck jersey. Uh, he's yeah, I love God, I love the way he plays. He you know what he kind of has too is a little hear me out. He has a little Jack Eichel to him oh. in his stride and his like the way he plays the game. I apologize. A little Jack I apologize for him, folks. <laughs> I let him go way too long. Um, 
But you know what else looks good, NRD, is my 10,000 shorts. I'm actually wearing some right now. Look at these. Look at these things. Got the maroon. There he is. He's in the maroon. I got the maroon. Uh, The interval shorts are my favorite. I'm doing a lot of workouts these days, NRD. It's it's beach season in Austin, Texas already. It's April 1st. It's going to be 85 today. I love it. Um, And and so for that reason, I got to get back in the gym. Might have taken a couple weeks off there during wedding season. Just going to say it. Uh, and, and that's where 10,000 is helping me out big time. They make the highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable training shorts that I've ever worn. And like I said, I got the maroon seven-inch inseam interval shorts, and I've been pairing it with it. I have a long-sleeve versatile shirt. It's absolutely unbelievable. Their interval short is the most popular and most versatile style. It's perfect for gym days, spinning, short runs, hit training, backyard workouts, whatever you're doing. And they have tons of features. Silver ion for odor protection. No bounce pockets for in the gym. You've you got your phone bouncing all over the place, not with these shorts on. They're breathable, and they have lightweight shell fabric. They're just absolutely fantastic. NRD, what's your favorite part about your shorts that you got? I said it last time. I'll say it again. That inner pocket for the phone that zips mm-hmm. up, thing doesn't move. You can have it. You listen to your music. Everybody's got the AirPods nowadays. Pop those in your ears so there's no cord, but you have your phone right next to you. Yep. God forbid you get a text. God forbid you get a phone call. It's right there. Easy access. I have them in the black and the blue camo. Love them both. Shout there out you to go. 10,000. Great friend of the show. Great friend of the show. Probably my favorite performance shorts I've ever worn. They just have a fit that like is perfect for your body when you're doing anything from jumping, running, whatever. They're, they just, they're just made for training, which I love about them. And you can wear them lounging around the house too. They're, they're great for that. They have a team of over 200 athletes which test their gear regularly to ensure the perfect design, fabric, trims, and fit. NRD and I are not one of those 200 athletes, but maybe maybe someday. They also offer free shipping and free returns and a lifetime guarantee. So 10,000 is offering listeners of the Cold Stove Podcast 15% off your purchase. Go to 10,000.cc slash stove to receive 15% off your purchase. That is 10,000.cc slash stove. Get 15% off. Uh, NRD, Austin Matthews scored his 50th goal on an empty netter last night. Does it get does it take a little bit of wind out of the sails for you there? They don't ask how. They ask how many. And, and he did hit 50 for the first time in his career. The first Maple Leaf, I think, ever. The first Maple Leaf to hit be the first in an NHL season to hit 50. So that's another quirky little stat there that goes into Austin Matthews' favor. You know, it's a shame it'll you have be, to do it for such a such a terrible team. It'll be great when he has this on his resume when he signs with the Coyotes as a free agent. Ah, there you go. Um, I'm just kidding. He's not leaving Toronto anytime soon. You want to talk? But, you want you want to talk Mrazek too? Just really beat the Leafs fans down. Yeah, sucks. Um, no, I think it's really cool for Austin Matthews. It's great to see that there's a budding superstar in this league. That it's an American born. Um, I think it's good. I think I wish I wish the league did a better job of leaning into that fact as we continue to grow this great game. And it's cool. You know, no ifs, ands, buts about it, whether it's an empty net or power play. The guy's put up 50 goals this year. He's got less empty net goals than Leon Dreisaitl this season. So, you know, not not take – that was like a ricochet ricochet shot at uh, at the guys in Edmonton, but he's playing his ass off this year. It doesn't matter how it went in the net. 50 is well-deserved. And we might have five 50-goal scorers in the NHL this year, which is absolutely nuts. Yep, yep. Scoring is up overall. It's nice to see. Mark Giordano seems like a, a good fit there. 
Goaltending is obviously still the question. Jack Campbell reportedly coming back sooner than later while Mrazek is on the shelf. So he – poor Pina Mrazek. You know, I liked him as a person. I liked him as a goalie. The dude can't stay healthy. And I think that's pretty abundantly clear at this point. So that's that feels like a 2022-2023 season fix. And they're just going to kind of roll with what they got. They, 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 I shouldn't say they missed on Flurry. They did in a way. But they just decided the price was too big. Um, so they're going to roll with what they got this year. But you know what? They're playing to their strengths. If they could score five goals a night, it does. You know, Shogren's playing well, but it doesn't really matter how he plays if they could score five a night. I know. I'm just, I'm it's so... not sustainable in the playoffs. I agree with you. It's really not sustainable in the playoffs. But yeah. right now, they'll get carried by it. And despite, you know, winning games 5-4, not necessarily being sustainable in the playoffs, maybe this just gives them momentum, a little juice, a little confidence in general to tighten it up on the back end. Like you said, Giordano's a great ad. I think they'll be all right. I mean, I don't expect Jack Campbell to come back and return to beginning of the season form, but I think he'll be a little better than this slump that he had been in right before the injury. And, you know, like I said, not sustainable in the playoffs, but winning these games might be good for the confidence in general of that, of that club. What would be more impressive to you? Austin Matthews hitting 60 goals or Roman Yossi, a hundred points. Roman Yossi, 100 points. One of the greatest defensive seasons, well, offensive defenseman seasons that we've seen in the last, is certainly in the 21st century, right? Without a doubt. I, I'm trying to remember the last time a defenseman hit 100. Isn't it Was, Phil Housley? It's either Housley or Leach at 92. Okay. Yeah. I, I, Doesn't happen. Cold still is what we're trying to say. Check me on that. Yeah. Um, but I think Leach at 92, 91, 92, when he won the Norris, I think hit 100, but don't hold me to it. It might be Housley. But unprecedented for a defenseman, well-deserving the Norris Trophy. And I feel like he hasn't really gotten a lot of love for that award. And I know there's a lot of people that go, well, it's the best defenseman in the league, not necessarily the highest scoring a defenseman. Mm-hmm. I'm not opposed. I've seen, you know, ideas thrown around there on Twitter. People have tweeted me with the idea, come up with the Bobby Orr Trophy. Give it to the highest scoring yeah. defenseman. I'm highest scoring defenseman. And then the Norris can be reserved for, you know, they, have, they literally, have, they literally have the Selkie trophy, right? Like, why why does the defenseman not get another opportunity? The defensive defenseman. Yeah, I agree. It, it's a great idea. But right now, the Norris does go to the top point getting defenseman for the most part. And I think Roman Yossi is well-deserving of it because he's really solid in his own end, too. And I don't think enough people talk about that. Same you with know, McCarr. I've seen Kel McCarr make plays as well. They're just, you know jaw-dropping in the defensive zone. You, uh, wait till you see Rasmus Dahlin these days. He's playing well. Uh, you know who's going to owe Roman Yossi a, a steak dinner? is Philip Forsberg when he gets absolutely paid this summer. Love the By player. Nashville, though? Well, that's the thing. I don't know. Or does Lou Lamorello lurk? No. Shadows? No way. He won't. Lou won't pay him enough. He was Philip willing Forsberg to pay our team. He'll make $9 million bucks somewhere. Lou Lamorello was willing to pay Artemi Panarin enough. He actually paid him $1.2 million more than the New York Rangers really? were paying him. Yeah. Lou offered uh, Lou offered Panarin 12, I think. To, he signed with the Rangers for what, 11.4? Yeah, 11 like point, yeah. The, the, it, Lou was going to go McDavid on him. Lou went 12, and uh, Panarin wanted to be with the Rangers. Little inside baseball there from NRD. Uh, little sad moment, NRD. RIP Eugene Melnick of the Ottawa Senators. He's owned the franchise. Uh, you know, it's been a roller coaster to say the least, but uh, by all accounts, a guy who was more passionate than or, or as passionate as any owner about the team that he owned. Diehard fan, which I, I 
really enjoy when owners are not like conglomerates of some random sports team and their families and their family owned, except, you know, a certain family. Uh, but Eugene Melnick, your thoughts there. Really sad. I know I saw some things on Twitter from the senators fans who are very vocal on Twitter. Might I say probably some of the most vocal and out there fan bases on Twitter that I've, I've come to recognize over the years, you know, passionate to a fault. Like you said, I don't necessarily think he always did the right thing by the organization. A lot mm-hmm. of decisions were made there that um, probably were not in the best interest of the fan base and the team and only in the best interest of the Melnick family. But sad because, like you said, they lose a guy who was very passionate about the club, whether it was the right or the wrong thing, a passionate guy nonetheless. And a lot of things, I mean, not to kind of step on this and now you know we're talking about the passing of eugene melnick not to step on that with something different but like still a lot of question marks in that organization about where they're gonna play over the next you know decade or so right like right now they're in the canadian tire center but it is also in the middle of the cornfields right outside of ottawa very minimal access you know from public transportation and whatnot they want to get closer to downtown and there's still a major question mark that Eugene Melnick worked his ass off to try to solve and unfortunately mm-hmm. didn't done. Now that question mark's really in play and it's just something to keep an eye on. Like I said, don't want to kind of milk, you know, his passing to talk about that, but it is something that's going to be talked about. And it's one thing that I think that Senators fans are going to sorely miss with the passing of him is a guy that was committed to keeping that team even closer to downtown than maybe somebody else at this point. Yeah. So just a, an owner that's, had an interesting history, but but no denying the passion and has brought that franchise. Uh, there, there was a moment there, man, in the late 2000s where they seemed like they were in the Eastern Conference Finals the, the, you know, every year, right? They're, what, a, what a fun team to watch. They've made a, you know, a, an impact on Canadian hockey because they're not looked at as a blue blood Montreal, Toronto kind of franchise, but um, has been awesome to see their progression over the years and hopefully they do stay in Ottawa. You know, I know Quebec city is always, always in the background more for leverage than anything, but we will see there Uh, a team that went, I guess you could say all in at the deadline. And even before the deadline is the Minnesota wild and our friend, Billy Guerin, big brass balls, Billy Minnesota don't look now, but Minnesota seven, one and two over the last 10 and firmly, in second place in the central. I don't think they're going to catch Colorado for first, but what, what are your thoughts on what Minnesota's doing? And was, was the flurry uh, Delorier additions, was that the, something that makes them so much more dangerous than maybe even we thought they could be? Absolutely. I mean, I've said it on this podcast. I think that they were sneaky, the best team at the deadline. They added We've said all along, Bill Guerin did not want to make too many changes for the sake of making change. He was only going to add if it really made sense. Mm-hmm. And I think it made sense to grab an elite goaltender to compete against two high-powered offenses in, in Colorado and Calgary in the, in the conference. So he does that. He gets a little tougher. He adds Nick Delorier, who's been kicking the sh- – I mean, like the last three game, Minnesota Wild games I've watched, he's kicked the shit out of somebody at some point during the game. So yeah, it gives I mean, them an edge. You know, we talk about how dinosaurs love jam, right? Or truculence, to steal our phrase from our friend Anthony Stewart. But there is certainly, certainly, certainly something to tough players and players that play hard and physical making a guy like Kirill Kaprizov a few inches taller. 
a guy like, uh, you know, uh, they have uh, Jordan Greenway making guys on the forward department a few inches taller, a few inches faster. They know they can kind of get away with things because they have guys to back them up. And I, th- I think that is what, for me, that's where physical hockey really, really makes a difference. Is You know, I, I get the pounding the defenseman on the forward check every, every dump in, right? There is, there is that element to it. But, like, fighting's not exactly in the league like it used to be. But they do make guys taller. They do make guys faster. And that's just purely a mental thing. And so when you add a guy like Nick Delorier, Kirill Kaprizov is a little more comfortable to dangle, a little more comfortable to go to the net hard because he knows that if somebody takes a shot at him, he's going to be backed up. And then the other mental aspect is having a Marc-Andre Fleury back there, knowing that, hey, if I fuck up because I'm taking a risk, I'm going to be all right because I had one of the best goalies of all time. So mentally, on both the forward end and the, the back end of their, their team, they're, they've improved. And so that is as important as anything. No, without a doubt. I think they got tougher. And again, to compete against two teams that have clearly separated themselves from the rest of the pack in Colorado and Calgary, right? Yep. You have to do something different, right? You're not gonna you're not gonna match him on the goal sheet every night. You just can't. You don't have the talent to do it. You have Kirill Kaprizov, who's an elite scorer. You have um, Matt Zuccarello, who who's an excellent puck mover on the wing. There, great dish guy throughout the game. But you're not gonna match him pound for pound on the scoring department. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna kick the crap out of him. You're gonna wear him <laughs> down, and you're gonna have a goalie. Bless you. Cheeky little sneeze <laughs> there. I was trying to I was trying to hold that one in. That's all right. And uh you're gonna have a goalie that's gonna stop some pucks, and you're gonna have a you know a blue line that's gonna kick the crap out of you and wear you down in the corners. And I think that you can't fight fire with fire necessarily. You fight fire with, you know, with a leather boxing glove. And I think that's what Bill Guerin's trying to do there in Minnesota. And it's not a bad, not a bad way to go about things, especially when you're third in that order right now between, you know, Calgary, Colorado, and then Minnesota. A team that's out kicking their coverage, maybe we didn't expect like Minnesota to be where they are, is the LA Kings NRD. Anything that you like about their game lately? They're five, three, and two in their last ten. I like that they're kind of playing with house money. They totally. really don't totally. deserve to be there. Cal Peterson's looking like an NHL goaltender. Former Buffalo Saber, by the way. For the first time in his career, he's really looking like an NHL goaltender. Played great last night. Calgary came back. The Kings ended up winning in a shootout, though. I like the fact that they look like they're a team that's playing free right now, under no pressure to get anything done. They have some of the vets there that have been around forever, the Dustin Browns, the Drew Dowdies, but those aren't the guys that are necessarily getting it done for them. It's a younger, it's a faster, it's a more fresh LA Kings team. I think they're going to continue to grow. I think that this season is literally the best thing that could happen. When you talk about a team that's rebuilding, like the Kings over the past couple of years, a season like this is the best thing that can happen to them. Totally. Those kids are going to, kids are starting to, to mature a little bit. They go from having the, the best prospect pool in the country. Or to now they have the best young players in the country. Right. And those kids are going to get to the playoffs. They're going to lose in the first round to the playoffs. Those kids are going to be upset and they're going to learn what it's yep. like to play playoff hockey. And I know that sounds very dinosaurish of myself to say that, but it is the truth it, it, to some degree. And it is the best thing that can happen to a young team that's rebuilding. Can I give you two names, NRD? Go for it. Adrian Kempe and Alex Ayafalo. Two guys that I think are two types of players that any successful team has. 
They're not 80 point guys, but they're, they're just like those secondary scoring type of wingers that you can never have enough of. Right. And they're going to kill penalties, but they're also going to put in 40 something points. Guys like those, like those are what make teams successful. They're not grizzled old vets that have been to the Stanley cup. They are not young guys that are trying to find, you know, tread water and find their way. They're second. They're 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 good secondary scoring players that you need uh, to win Stanley Cups. I agree. I don't. The, nothing you said, I disagree with. And they're not exactly super expensive. I follow is four million. Kempe is two million, and do a raise for sure as a pending RFA. Uh, you know the saying: "What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas." NRD, but is what's happening in Vegas right now too interesting to stay in Vegas? We have to talk about it. They suck. Oh shoot, darn! Wonder what their first round pitch going to be. Hopefully, it's hopefully not something like, very good for your hey, for your sake. Honest question: If it's if their pick is ten, and it's top ten protected, that is that it's not like top nine, right? There's not a weird number thing here. If it's ten, the Vegas Golden Knights keep their pick. If it's eleven, the Sabers get it. Correct. Just top ten protected. Just yeah. Make sure. Okay. I didn't know if it was like. One through nine considered the top ten. So just, just want to clear everything up there. Top ten picks is protected. But hopefully for your sake, they're 11. Oh, and that you would get be, that pick. God, that would be awesome. It's like getting the first 11, overall pick. If they're 11 and the Sabres are 8-9, that Florida Panthers first-round pick, which very well could be 32, becomes expendable beyond expendable in my mind. Like that should be – that should that thirty they should never pick thirty second this year. That pick should be gone to somebody else, like a Tampa who desperately needs picks, or Boston, or you name it. People that don't have prospect pools, like literally don't have. They're they're just gonna go sign guys off the street because they're so their prospect pools are so depleted. Those should be gone, and Andre Palat should be on the Sabers. Is all I'm gonna say. Um, but what what's what do you see with them, and 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 I mean Vegas here? Is it all injuries, or is there something fundamentally off with that team? Fundamentally wrong. I just don't think they're buying into Pete DeBoer's system right now. I think it's gone stale. And I'm not saying you fire him, right? Like that's not the answer. You roll, you, you know, you live by the sword, die by the sword. But it just doesn't look like they're buying into whatever's going on. They're going through the motions. They're a super talented club. They added Jack Eichel. I'm not here to say that that wasn't a great deal for them. Like, but they're just going through the motions right now. It seems like to me, yes, they're missing Robin Leonard deeply. I, I don't think that, uh, mm-hmm. Brassois and Logan Thompson, I just don't think that they're able to carry this team. Like lot Robin Leonard has the potential to do. And he didn't even start this year that hot, but he just brings a level of consistency and stability to that back end of that club that you're just not going to get from two goalies that don't have the NHL experience. That being said, though, I think their problems run much deeper. They haven't all been healthy at the same time, probably for the betterment of the club because they can't afford to have everybody healthy at the same time right now. But that does loom large. They're starting to get guys back right now. Hockey's a big game of momentum. They can get hot at the right time here. We still got another 28 days of the regular season left. Not saying they can't get hot at the right time, but you know, dire straits for Vegas right now. And I really think it's due in part to the fact that you watch them play and it doesn't look like they're playing with any jump or juice to their game. I think it's one of those things too, that the, the locker room excuse sounds like 
man, if we had all our guys, this would be totally different. And then, man, how are we going to afford all of our guys? And Evgeny Dadonov saying like, well, glad I'm here, but sort of you don't want me. There's a lot going on in that locker room right now that it feels like they need an offseason to sort through, in my opinion. We'll see Absolutely. where that goes. More than an offseason. Uh, uh, another locker room that may be manned by a captain of a sinking ship is in New Jersey. Do we have a Lindy Ruff hot seat, cold seat update, NRD? No update. I mean, I've I've said on this podcast, you can go back, it's archived. I stand by my word. I didn't think he was going to last longer than this season, and I still don't think that's the case. I think that they're just biding time. We're getting to, you know, the offseason. They're playing. It, it, New Jersey's a really weird team because they've shown in certain spurts that they can compete, and then they go out and they do what they did last night and get their asses kicked 8-1 by Boston. Yep. But there's other games where they've hung in there tough with Carolina, and I've seen them hang in tough with, you know, Toronto, and they battled Detroit hard a couple of times this season that they played them. Like, so they're really weird club to kind of well, judge they have right talented now. Talented guys, like, to, it, and, and know, I think that that's what carries them, right? Yeah. The talent, like, you know, talent can only carry you so far, but there are nights where talent is just going to carry you, and you have those right. guys in the lineup like Jack Hughes and, and you know Jesper Brat and. Igor Sharangovich, who's playing really, really well for a young guy in the league, they're going to win you games no matter what. I just don't think it's sustainable in the system. I think they need a fresh, you know, voice behind the bench. I think they need to clean house. I think Alan Nazardine being the interim from John Hines and then staying behind the bench really doesn't, you know, it's still the, the group of guys that's been there. Like he's not, he didn't get the head coaching job. They gave it to Lindy Ruff, but the fact he stayed on staff, I think they just need to clean house. At the coaching level, I think Tommy Fitz is still doing a great job there, continuing to build out that roster. They're talented. Really weird to judge them, like I said, because they have the talent there. I think it's just the the voicing in that locker room is, is getting lost on a lot of younger guys, right? Like Lindy Ruff, great coach. I'm not going to knock him, but not necessarily the best guy that I would want. And I know I've spoken to players who yeah. have said the same thing. Not the guy that they would want working with younger guys. No, I, I think that's – we talk about Fitz and what makes sense and – and that's a team that is not ready to to chase a Stanley Cup where Lindy Ruff is a, a, a Stanley Cup coach. He wants a locker room that is sort of cruise control, that he designates leadership, and that he has veterans that that talk to guys like Tempe and I follow that talk to young – like he needs a, a built-out locker room to really land the plane and win a cup. Like uh, for me, you want to you do something fun is – Lindy Ruff to Winnipeg and retired Paul Maurice to, to New Jersey and, and see what happens there. Because Winnipeg needs, obviously, unless they blow it up, then, then it's a different story. Which but, they might. I mean, you want to yeah. talk about that really quickly? You know, I, I teased it on last week's episode. I don't think Mark Shifley at this point, he's not requesting a trade. I don't think he's um, adverse to a trade. We'll just put it that way. From same source that you know that I have out in Winnipeg, there's only one. It's only one telephone in Winnipeg, and I have access to that line. Yeah, and same one that gave you know the Maurice scoop and the cop scoop and the Appleton scoop. I don't think that Mark Shifley is averse to a trade out of Winnipeg. He's still got a couple of years left on his contract. We'll see where that goes. Dubois, big decision in the off season. I just there. I don't think that both of them are going to be behind the pivot for at the pivot position for Winnipeg next season. I agree. I agree. Uh, let's move to the GM meetings this week that were uh, Boca del Vista, NRD. 
coming out of that, what we've learned is that the LTIR loophole will stay as is. The salary cap is going to $82.5 million. That's an increase of $1 million. And the World Cup of Hockey is back. With a caveat being no Team North America, no Team U23, no, no custom teams, if you will. Good. Your thoughts in, in any order there? Good on the uh, the no team North America. Really exciting when they did play, but it's the next generation. It's time for those guys to step up. Some of them are still under twenty three, but they're gonna make you know their their Canadian club or the Team USA club. So no need for a Team North America right now. Guys like Connor Bedard are good enough to play with the big club, you know, and they're just gonna fit right in with Team Canada. Yeah, I was gonna say if you wanna if you wanna get creative at all with it, maybe make a a two or three man like you have to have sub twenty year old or sub twenty. Well, doesn't if I'm not, you know, one of our listeners could tell me if I'm wrong. I believe the in the Olympics they do that for basketball, right? You have to carry a college kid. I don't know. I think that's how I know. Like the '92 Dream Team had Christian Leitner on it, and I think uh, yeah, I, I remember that, but I think it was like I don't know. I just think more of like Olympic soccer. You, it's all you. It's U23, U23, yeah, yeah. You can have three or four like overagers, I guess. But it would be cool to have like an, a special exception. You must have three uh, kids under 21 or under 20, like whatever the, the thing may be for the, the World Cup team to get those next generation superstars uh, involved, get them a look type of thing. So excited for that. I believe 2024 is the 2024 World Cup. Uh, couldn't was tell there, you where was it's there timing be. on it. As far as month goes, I think what we've said all along, I think they're going to end up playing this thing in February. Yeah, I think that's the move. That's it the is move. the right move. Uh, salary cap is up to eighty-two and a half million. That gives everybody another million next year. The debt that the players owe the owners seems to be uh, well on track, if not ahead of schedule. And with new TV deals kicking in, etc., after the 2024-2025 season, that's the Salary cap increase that everybody and their brother, especially maybe a Bill Guerin, is waiting for. NRD, any thoughts on the cap? Why do we still have a cap? That's my thought. I agree Uh, with Alan Walsh there. I still think it's the dumbest thing that hockey's one of the only sports left with a minuscule hard cap. I mean, football is a hard cap, but it's $275 million. Exactly. It's well afforded. You know, I think it's a shame that they still have a hard cap in hockey, but... The one million increase is great. It, it gives you know teams like Vegas, Tampa Bay, a little bit more breathing room to add and keep up with the other teams, right? Because as it stands right now, without subtracting a team like Vegas can't really do anything. Without subtracting a team like Tampa, Tampa can't really do anything in the off season. So any little bit helps to those clubs. It's not going to affect you know the the Arizona Coyotes or the Buffalo Sabers or the Montreal Canadiens of the world right now, but. Any little bit helps. I'm glad to see that the debt's ahead of schedule. We're going to be up at 92 and a half million by the time that that cap increases. It's going to jump, mm-hmm. you know, massively. It's probably going to be a 10 to $12 million increase then. Hopefully things change by then. We have a new CBA ratified by then that abolishes the cap. Hopefully more money comes in. Hopefully these private equity firms at minority stakes infuse cash into the league. And then we could maybe one day consider going by the wayside of a hard cap. Yeah, or soft cap is kind of where where my head is at, right? You have a, say, call it $100 million. If you want to go above it, you owe the league that much in uh, out-of-pocket revenue, kind of what they do with baseball. Benefits the the top teams that want to stay the top teams. Benefits the bottom teams, giving them an extra source of revenue. 
um, as far as payroll, not necessarily talent pools go. So that that's kind of where I think everything is headed. I think the players would like that as long as their escrow uh, stays low. So, but but we're probably four, five, six years away from something like that. We got a little while before that. And then the last point of the GM meetings is speaking of the cap cap circumvention with our lovely friend LTIR. Um, nobody that comes to mind that's like a Stanley Cup favorite right now is going to take advantage of that uh, because Vegas is not exactly in a Stanley Cup position right now. Your thoughts on LTIR staying as is for the time being? Leave it as is. I don't have a problem with it. Every team has it at the rule book. book. Every team has the opportunity to do it if they have it or in that situation. If Vegas, you have to understand this too, right? Like the the discourse online right now, if Vegas was a cup contender, would be unsufferable. Oh, yeah. They suck, so nobody gives a shit. It would be, it's, it's, it's uh, Kucherov times, literally like times four. Which to me, like, I'm not going to say it's hypocritical. But stand by what you believe in. If you really think that it's a loophole that needs to be closed, be as vocal as you were for you know Nikita Kucherov and the Tampa Bay Lightning a couple of years ago. Right. I don't see any of it, and and I'm not calling out specific fan bases, specifically a one that you know is on an island. But they had a lot to say about Nikita Kucherov last year in the playoffs. They're not complaining about Vegas using it this year because Vegas is no threat to them. I think that if you really believe that it's a cap you know loophole that should be closed, be vocal about it. Not that your voice necessarily has a say, but. I want that same energy. Until then, you look like a hypocrite for saying that that was such a big problem when Vegas has been doing it all year long. They're just not good, so it's not that much of an issue to people. So leave it open. We'll deal with that in the next CBA, you know, 2026, 2027 down the line. Yeah, a couple of things that CBA, one of which I'm sure will be players' ability to choose their own surgeries. Um, speaking of surgery, Clayton Keller broke his leg, unfortunately. will be out for the rest of the year. Uh and then a guy that's coming back, Miro Heiskinen, at the perfect time for the Dallas Stars. One guy to IR, one guy off IR. Which is a bigger impact for their team in RD? Heiskinen coming back. They didn't really add the depth on the blue line that I thought they were going to do at the deadline. So they did comes the keep cow. a guy, though, in Klingberg that basically is sort of found money in a way. Yeah, he was there, though. So I thought they were going to even you know add an additional name to that pool. But here comes the Cavalry again. They're going to rebuild that blue line. Dallas Stars are one of those teams that – I don't think anybody expects them to make a deep run, but they're conf- You know, as you reported with the Pavelski signing, that locker room is extremely confident with the guys that they have yep. there in the group they have. Don't know if Rick Bonus is the guy behind the bench next season, but right now he is, and I think that that locker room is a cohesive unit, and they're playing like one. Does Marty St. Louis get another chance at this thing in Montreal? I read that in preparation for the show, and I didn't know how I was going to answer that, right? Because... I think he does deserve another shot. That team is playing so loose too, and so free. I totally free. do too. But my question is, do you run into the same issue that you had with Dom Ducharme last time around, keeping an interim head coach throughout the offseason and saying, hey, he's still got to prove it. Like, I don't yeah. – you know what I mean? Like, you don't want to fall into that same trap that you did with Ducharme because right now, no, they're not making a run to the Stanley Cup Finals. They're well long out of it. But they're still in that honeymoon phase with Martin St. Louis. And I really hope the guy's great, but they're still in that honeymoon phase. It's hard to tell if he's the guy moving forward. So that, yes, that would lead you to believe, yeah, he deserves another shot. But you don't want to miss the boat on this one. You, again, you don't want to be another halfway through the season, have to bring in another coach. So what did Yogi Berra say? Deja vu all over again? Yep. Um, a guy that I, I, I think would say I would love to have Marty St. Louis back is Cole Caulfield. He has turned it around after you know what some might say is a sophomore slump spent some time in laval they got a guy jordan harris coming in justin northeastern 
I, you know, this is nostalgia for me, but I, I, I hope he gets another shot. I think he's, he's got them playing, you know, maybe they're not, they're not going to be a, a contender next year. So is he a perfect guy to kind of sharpen the States, earn the, you know, earn his stripes, learn the, the behind the bench stuff with a, a guy who's basically his best friend is the GM in Kent Hughes. I, I guess we'll, we'll go from there. We'll see how it goes. And that's why I think he, he gets another shot and should get hate that shot. plan. I don't hate that plan. Uh, the current Calder odds have Mo Sider at minus 150 NRD. Zedris and Lucas Raymond are at plus 380. Is there any reason to put money on anybody but Mo Sider? No, not at, I thought earlier on Lucas Raymond was going to be my pick. Sider's a beast, and he should get some third-place votes for the Norris. He should. Wow. Do you remember when that when he was drafted? And the, that you thought you thought uh, the sky was falling in Detroit based on the reaction. Yeah, it, it, mass amounts of hysteria about drafting this kid, but Stevie Y knows best. Really knows best. He certainly does. They uh, they just fired in Detroit. They just fired their Zamboni driver. I don't know if you saw this. No, long, I did not. Long, long, long time uh, arena manager, but Zamboni driver Al Saboka who worked for the Red Wings for 51 years. See the guy the that guy used to uh, twirl the spins, octopus? Yeah. yeah, he spins the octopus around. They just fired him. Um, for word what? is that he's going to sue them for wrongful termination. I wonder if there was something behind the scenes going on there. But uh, a little keep an eye out from the behind-the-scenes arena, the rink rats of the world, NRD. Got something to talk about next week, then. <laughs> Got something to talk about next week. I think by next week, uh, whether we do this Tuesday or Wednesday – think we'll be talking about one Devin Levi and whatever decision he has come to. But that's going to do it for us, NRD. Anything else that you have today that you want to touch on? No, you want to tease the guests for next week or you want to uh, you want to keep people guessing for a little bit longer? Up to you. I think uh, if, if there was a, a certain tease, I would say, or maybe a clue, is that ACDC might have a song that represents a certain tie to this guest. How's that for a tease? Yeah, I like that one. I think you really have to think about that. It's a good one. All right. It's not Wayne Gretzky. I'll, t- I'll give you guys that. We're sorry, guys. We didn't get Wayne all this time around. We'll try. We but, didn't uh, get Wayne all this time around. But uh, I think we'll enjoy that conversation. Next one week. of his buddies. One of his good buddies. I think uh, we'll, uh, we'll be on this show. I believe we're doing it Tuesday and we'll have a good time. Can't wait. Where can the people find you, NRD? At NHO Rumors Daily on Twitter. Not leaving, not going anywhere. Nor do I really have anybody anywhere to go at this point. You stuck <laughs> with me. We're here. And uh, Cold Stove Pod, the other home. Cold NRD. Stove Pod playoffs this month, NRD. It's that time of year. Is it this yeah. month or is it May 1st? Because I know the oh, last, day of the, regular se- ra- last day of the regular season is the 29th. Late oh, this just, year because okay. the Olympic I'm, break was cooked in. I, I am like, my, my brain is just constantly programmed. to like You're in new office mode. You're, you guys yeah. are moving to a new HQ down in Washed. Washed HQ uh, 3.0. Can't wait. The no, first listen. one was in somebody's attic slash master bedroom. Second was a dentist's office with about 903 square feet. Now we have HQ3, uh, a little bit more legit, if you will. I'm excited. I, I hope NRD gets a trip down there. I'm bringing the golf clubs. You and I Washed are Fest course. 2022, man. There you go. NRD you will, will get there. Blackburn down there. DJ Bean will get the whole squad together. NRD will be there. Awesome. NRD, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you to all our Cold Stove listeners. Apologies to Buffalo Sabres fans. 
just bear with me here. Bear with me, Sabres fans. We'll get there. I promise you we'll get there. Um, and uh, see you guys next week. Congrats, Rick Jenneret, on his time with the Buffalo Sabres. Can't wait for tonight. Peace.